The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Funny thing happened on the way to our visit to the Washington Monument, the Alliance for Lifetime Incomes Future of Protected Income Summit. Hey everyone, welcome to a very special first time ever bonus episode of Retire with Style. I'm Wade, I'm here with Alex, and we're joined again by Jason Fickner. And we talked with Jason earlier this week on the topic of Social Security, but we'd like to bring him back to talk about an event we were just at, the Alliance for Lifetime Income 2023 Future of Protected Income Summit, the countdown to peak 65, which I do believe is a a term that you developed, Jason. So we definitely want to talk about what that means. But before we get started with a specific event that happened in Washington, D.C., could you just tell us a little bit about what the Alliance for Lifetime Income is and what it's all about? Wait, 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 Jason, before before you get even started with that, there is a birthday here in order to say. Happy birthday, Wade. Two birthdays. Thank you, thank you. Happy birthday, Wade. Thank you so much. <laughs> and and Jason, happy birthday to your wife. Hopefully, you're going to someplace special. Yes, I, will, I, will, I will convey those messages. I'm sure she'll be like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll get you out the door here. But happy birthday, Wade. Happy birthday, Wade. Thank you, Alex. All right. So thank so, so sorry, yeah. our, our audience needed to hear they that. Did. They love our chit chat. Uh, so, you know, again, so Wade's turning 29th for the umpteenth time, so it's perfect. Uh, I think that's David yeah. Blanchett. <laughs> so let me, let me start with what the alliance is, the institute, the summit, and then we can talk about like Peak 65 and our impressions from, from the summit that was this past week. Um, so the Alliance for Lifetime Income is a nonprofit 501c6 educational organization based here in Washington, D.C., and we create, we create awareness and we educate Americans about the value and importance of having protected lifetime income in retirement. And, and we all share this vision of a country where no American has to face the prospect of running out of money in retirement. And let's be clear. Um, so the Alliance's goal is to provide consumers and financial professionals with educational resources, interactive tools, and what we like to call actionable research and insights to use in building retirement income strategies and plans. And when you think about what kind of things are out there that are sources of protected income, you've got defined benefit pensions, which are going away. You've got Social Security, which we talked about previously in the previous episode, has some financial problems, and you've got annuities. So those are kind of the three main sources of protected income. And we need to talk about how we think holistically about retirement security and protected income, given the shift in DB plans to DC plans. And that's kind of what the Alliance's mission is. And under the Alliance, you know, I have the pleasure of running the Retirement Income Institute, um, which is under the Alliance. And the Institute itself seeks to shape a future in which Americans, again, have a secure retirement. And we do the research, the actual research that supports consumers, financial professionals, and the industry move along this path to helping people have more protected income. And, and Wade's a fellow 
uh, and a research scholar with the Institute, which I appreciate. And, and Alex, both you and Wade have done research for the Alliance and you talked at our summit. And, and, and that's what we do. And it's really a rewarding mission because for me, it's allowed me to sort of bridge all the things I do with my hats from my previous job at Social Security Administration, working for the Bipartisan Policy Center as chief economist and helping run what's called Funding Our Future here, which is helping people, again, save from cradle to grave. It brings in the Puerto Rico Pension Reserve Trust, which is helping people have, again, secured retirement, the pensions they were promised. Yeah. And it helps us as financial advisors, planners, people who give advice and inform policymakers on how we actually can create the retirement security and the ecosystem that we all deserve to have. And I think that's important. And that's sort of what we do. Uh, and the last thing before I turn it back to you is like the peak 65, because that kind of gets mm -hmm. into the summit. Uh, a few years ago, I did a paper, which is available online, uh, which is the, you know, the peak 65 moment. That's kind of something the Alliance trademarked. When we look at the retirement landscape, what we saw and see today is the changing nature of people having paychecks at work that moved into paychecks at retirement because they had a defined benefit pension plan. And so they were used to working for mostly one employer. They paid into, the employer paid in for a system. They retired and they still got a paycheck. And you hear from some folks say, oh, I'm retiring. I'm going to get 85% of my paycheck and my retire." They're used to getting income in retirement as a source of a paycheck. And that framing is important. We moved to a defined contribution plan. We now tell people, look, we're trading risk, you know, transferring risk to you. You're going to save up all these assets. You're going to be wealthy. And then you turn 65, 67, whatever age it is you retire. And we push them out the door and they're like, what do I do with this asset? I don't, what, I, what, <laughs> what I, what now? now? I'm used to getting a paycheck. I don't know how to manage this. What is? What do I do? You know, And this becomes important for peak 65 because we're at a period where when I wrote the paper in 2000, 2001, 10,000 people a day were turning 65. Think about birthdays, right, Wade? In 2024, just next year, we hit our peak 65 moment where 12,000 people a day are turning 65. And that creates all these fiscal challenges and cultural challenges for our country where you're going to have a declining worker to beneficiary ratio. So less workers supporting beneficiaries in retirement, more money going for health care and pensions like Social Security. How does that change our fiscal nature, both in the tax and revenue side? And then for so many people hitting, we call like peak 65, whether they retire at 65 earlier or later, that's a whole large demographic that is now in some ways could be in the workforce, could be out of the workforce, could be in part-time, could be in leisure, could be traveling. So many dimensions we have to talk about, but the nature of retirement has changed. It is no longer you retire, you stop working, and you go sit in a rocking chair on Golden Pond. And the nature and longevity has changed. It's no longer, maybe I'm living for five, six years. You could be living until you're 100. More people every day are living to 100. So how do we talk about having enough income in retirement to not only last potentially until you're 100, but to make sure you have a dignified retirement where you can spend what you need and what you want to spend it on and not feel like you're not spending enough or that you're afraid you're going to run out of money before you die. And that's the importance of Peak 65 and why we start having these summits. Well, great. That's No, I, I, I think that's fantastic. Go on, wait. I was just saying I'm trying to sell my book to 1% of those turning age 65 each day. That would be a, a great goal. But uh, no, it was a great event. And, and let's really just talk about some of the highlights. And it started it, for the past two years. It began with a consumer panel, which I think Gene Chatsky helped identify who may be uh, interesting to talk there. But it, it's really fascinating to hear consumers who aren't in the day-to-day -day knowing all the vocabulary and terminology of what we talk about all the time with retirement income, 
but talking about their concerns and their viewpoints and how they think about retirement and in the context for the Alliance for Lifetime Income as well, their thoughts about annuities and how how that gets framed just by the consumer media and everything else. Yeah, that I think was the starting point. Yeah. It's the starting point. And we got also important, I didn't mention I should, is the Alliance for Lifetime Income is a consumer-focused organization. Like, we really are looking out for the consumer. And mm-hmm. we talk to consumers. We have them as the first panel uh, kicking off the summit. But we're doing educational guides. We're doing glossary terms. We're doing how to talk to a financial professional. So we're trying to give them the questions they need to ask the right questions to financial advisors and professionals. The research is supposed to be actionable for both sides. But we, we are... We're not a mouthpiece for the industry. We are here to support the consumers. And we do think that an educated consumer as well as an educated industry that is working towards helping the consumers is how we're going to best create the ecosystem environment that we want to have. So that's the consumer focus. And, And that gets into the panel discussion where we had actual real people who were consumers during retirement talking about their journey, their challenges, their fears, and a few things sort of struck with me about this, and maybe you guys you know, are aware of this doing, doing your research and your actual professional work as advisors, but most people, at least to the consumers, they don't start thinking about their plan for retirement until they're almost ready to retire. And that creates anxiety and fear. They don't start planning <laughs> for retirement. I mean, it's the old joke that people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. And, and I've started realizing sure. with consumers as they get close to retirement, like, okay, I'm ready to plan now. Like, wait, you're what? You're going to retire next week from your job? Are you just now thinking about what does that mean for your income sources, your spending? And, and that was one. And then the other is they're, they're not even sure how much money they need. Like, they just, they barely haven't tracked their spending. We had consumers who, you know, one, one person said, you know, his wife took care of the money. He couldn't even tell you what his mortgage was or how much they're spending, he, he, you know, or how much is in the bank account. So where's that kitchen conversation happening among spouses? And, and so you start realizing that, you know, again, there's this choice overload and people are human. They have, I don't want to say better things to do, but there's transaction costs of spending your time on retirement security. And so they're worried about yeah. kids and jobs and everything else. And that takes up their bandwidth. And so how do we help them navigate? And that could lead to defaults and things like that, for example. I I, I think uh, I, I think it was asked this to, to some extent about, why folks that are younger may be even more anxious about retirement, about their retirement plan than folks that are at retirement. And I think this dovetails with what you're saying a little bit Then my answer. And, and again, this is, I, I don't have research behind it. This is just my anecdotal answer from having a wealth management firm and, you know, interacting with hundreds, uh, hundreds and hundreds of clients and then being in enough of these to recognize. I think people have financial, there's a most common denominator effect here, Right. Sure, if you're someone high net worth and, and the like, you, you you know you have the wherewithal to start planning for it because you have the resources to do so. But if you didn't, I think you're just dealing with like life milestones as they come as they come in. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you just have to deal so this, with that. This is where you get it. Yeah, where you yeah. Get the, the economist joke about what is a rational actor, and you know, like when I was when I was in uh, college, we didn't have behavioral economics wasn't a thing. Right? We thought that was called psychology, and we laughed at psychologists if you were an economist. And now we've adopted that. Yeah, yeah fair we, enough. Now we've adopted it, right? But we've called it <laughs> behavioral economics so we can still say we're economists and not psychologists. But it's important about people behave because, you know, someone says, well, it's not rational if you're not thinking about your planning for retirement. Well, to your point, Alex, it is rational. There are other things that are, are demanding so much of their bandwidth and attention that they're focused on <laughs> yeah. the milestones, right? Whether it's marriage, whether it's their kids, whether it's their job, or their, it, it's the things at the moment. And it's that, discounting where they looked in the future and say, well, I'll take care of that tomorrow because it's not today's problem. 
And how do we help them realize yeah, and, to plan accordingly? I think that's the important point. I mean, there's a best practice. Like as long as I contribute, you know, I'm contributing X amount per paycheck. And you know what? I'll keep that steady. Knowing that there's folks that don't do it, but I'll, I'll keep it steady and what, what, whatever happens, happens. You know, and I'm assuming for the best that when I get to that certain age, then I'll revisit it and revise if needed. Well, and this is one where, you know, we start thinking about like the role of the summit and, some, and things like that. And, and this is wasn't one of the panels where you two were on. And I want you guys to talk about your panel as well. But we had one that was from paycheck, paychecks for work for paychecks for retirement. And, and this kind of thinking about like defaults and how we can help make the D, defined contribution IRA mm. 401k plans into something like a defined benefit pension plan. People are defaulting into target date funds. We get them into an employer sponsored plan for those who have a plan. And we basically set them up at three or five or 7%, try to auto escalate. Again, the idea is default so that they're so focused in the now, we can help them focus on the future by having them save in defaults. How do we take that default and create something that has some more protected income strategies so they retire? They're yeah. not just retiring at a 60-40 equity bond portfolio, but some of that 40 consists of protected income, for example. When we think about it as fixed income, or we just start talking about it as income or protected income. So what if the 60-40 was 60 equity, 40 protected income? And we think about what that kind of mix looks like. But those were sort of discussions about how we could make it automatic and default and one size does not fit all. So how do you have different sort of default options and customization with technology? How does that play out? But those are the discussions we're having, no, I, and that's where the role of the Alliance and Institute come in. I, I thought it was great. I, 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 was, I listened to that one, and I couldn't help but think of this other study that we, we, we've been working on, Wade. But something that I, I think I'm naturally attracted to when I'm looking at these options, it, it's a game, right, that we play. Because you even said it at the beginning uh, – Annuity, right? How can you call something an annuity without calling it an annuity? Is, is what it, what you know, the game that you you end up playing a little bit here. But what 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 was striking me as very interesting are these options that folks are creating that sort of gives you options as you you know you you can you you can start sort of getting on certain rails, but when when the decision needs to be made, it gives you the flexibility to go this way or that way or the other way with regards to how you want that protected income. And, and those things I find fascinating as opposed to just, you know, sure, you can nudge them and, and this and that. And to some extent, behavior psychology, behavior finance, if you will, just becomes kind of like automating people into things. So, you know, that's, that's uh, if you break it down to its oh, most common denominator, it just comes down to yeah. that, right? But I like this part because it gives them a little more agency towards, you know, choosing to go to the left, to go to the right, to go down, to go up with regards to these solutions that are seem to be being created right now. And I, and I think the important thing is we talk about defaults is there's always, we're not going to lock somebody where they can't get out, right? There's always an, an opt-out feature, or, or if there's a default, we might mean defaults. Like there's a few options, and there's a choice architecture, and people can have active choice. But the idea is we're trying to make the process simpler for people to save for retirement and then to have some protected income retirement. And, and that's the whole goal. And, and, you know, Alex, one of the you were on a panel talking about peak 65 and Wade, you're talking about how does this change the nature of retirement advice, which I think is very important. Uh, and you guys do a lot of work on what that means for profiling and risk styling and how to have advisors actually have real conversations with people and not just give them a crappy questionnaire that doesn't give the right answers. And so I think those are sure. important things to, to talk about as well as part of the summit. And that's what we're doing in the, in the Alliance. Now on, on mine, you know, what struck me is interesting and Wade, what, what did you think? Uh, just what is retirement? There was a lot of thought given to just what retirement is. 
and how sometimes we're we're anchoring on certain numbers, obviously peak 65, but that's that's a demographic reality. That's not like some arbitrary number or anything like that. But retirement has to be at this age, you know, that kind of thing. And how there was a lot of just like pushback on that yeah. in terms of we have to evolve from that concept. And reimagining I, I, you know. what retirement is. And, and now as people live longer, they may want to do some form of work and, and the need to have purpose and passion and have that come before considering some of the financial questions, but whether people, whether it's volunteer work, whether it's part-time work, even with the consumer panel, you, you got a sense of this with the individual who was hoping to work at a, a baseball stadium, a major league baseball stadium is a, I suppose as a vendor was the idea, but just something that's fun to do that is more along the lines of their hobby, but still allows them to be part of the workforce, be engaged and, and, Retirement with the idea of people just simply playing golf for the rest of their life. When retirement first sort of developed in the late 20th century and people might have a five to 10 year retirement, that sort of leisure, leisurely retirement might have worked better. But at some point, if you're looking at the next 25 or 30 years, it's tough to just have leisure time that long. And so how can people reimagine what retirement's all about? It's a huge part of the conversation. And I, and I like that reimagine. And, and one thing we think about longer work-wise. And I don't, you hear some people say, we're going to expect people to work longer. I, I, I dislike that framing. There are some that are going to want to work longer. There are some who are, you know, going to want to work part-time because of the passion and fulfillment. There are some that might need to work longer. And the idea is how do we help them then facilitate maybe delay claiming a social security so they can get a higher benefit so they don't have to work longer than longer is necessary, right? But how do we have those discussions? And I think that's sort of the the reimagining and thinking about Retirement is no longer that 65 anchor rocking chair on Golden Pond. It means something different for everybody. And we have to start thinking about this holistically and how we can help people the best way we can do so. If you're looking for more personal advice, please note that our show is sponsored by McLean Asset Management. Learn more at McLeanAM.com. That's M-C-L-E-A-N-A-M.com. McLean Asset Management is a wealth management firm where we help you design and implement the right retirement plan for you. Well, to your point, I thought there was a definite tone with regards to the panels that they weren't as number driven as or, you know, uh, optimization driven from a numerical standpoint as maybe one may expect just offhand. I was surprised by the amount of just uh thinking about these things, thinking about these more existential sort of issues, because if you get that context right, I got the sense that you can help someone then lead a more dignified retirement. It's almost like I was seeing the alliance be like, okay, how can we create personalized pensions, call it an annuity, call it structured income, call it protected income, you know, whatever it is to help frame it accordingly, so be it. But once that is accomplished, I think that opens the door to these sort of more existential fulfillment that you would get in retirement. And I wasn't expecting that, frankly, uh, yesterday when we were in the panel. And it, it, it was it was quite eye-opening from, from my perspective. Yeah, and I think for the, for the audience, one thing to – why this summit I think is so important for me and the, the Alliance does it is we actually bring in the entire retirement community ecosystem, right? There's consumers, there's academics, and so researchers. There's education fellows, so those who are – Part of the institute who aren't researchers but have done this as professionals for a long time and know how to talk to the industry and consumers so they're there as educational fellows 
We have plant sponsors. We have record keepers. We have the industry folks. So we have CEOs from the insurance companies and asset management companies. We have sometimes there's people from the media there. It's the entire retirement security landscape ecosystem. And, and that's where our voice and message and bringing folks together can help actually hopefully move the needle going forward. Uh, on, on that note, because uh, I, 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 this is another piece that I was like, wow, this is really getting serious. This movement of having uh, solutions in plan. Uh, you might want to talk about that and, and, and how you're, you're getting that message across. Because I, I think, you know, you start hearing echoes of it, you know, maybe 18 months ago, but then it's just building momentum and building momentum. And maybe level set for our audience, what, what, what's going on within this space? Because I, I find it fascinating. So I think one of the things that's really important when you think about protected income strategies, again, in defaults, is, is where right now is the biggest avenue for reaching the most number of people. And, and, and that's through the employer-sponsored retirement plans. And again, the DB system is going away, but we have defined contribution plans. And for those who have access to a DC plan, like I do, you know, most of the stuff gets invested in target date funds. And Secure Act and Secure Act 2.0 were designed to allow some flexibility and some safe harbors for employers to talk to their employees about protected income and put some potentially some annuities protected income into their uh, offerings for when the people retire and they're in plan. But we're never going to democratize protected income outside of Social Security until we have them as part of employer-sponsored plans. And that doesn't mean we're going to close down other avenues. Like I always say, when you open up one door, I've now opened up another avenue. I never closed the door behind me. So you have all these doors you can pass through because, again, we're trying to help more people and customize what they can do. It's not one size fits all. But to have something that's in plan means the employer, their consultant, the plan they design needs to have options. So when people get to retirement or near retirement, they're not just looking at their asset as something to hold on to. They're looking at their asset as something that can generate income in retirement. And we start talking about that. And we start saying, do you want to have some equity still so you have access to growth? Do you want to have some that gives you dividend-paying stocks? Do you want some annuities and protected income strategies or you just want a drawdown strategy? We're going to default you into something uh, to give you some protection. If you don't want it, you can opt out. And I think those are kind of the end plan. Like what I would love to see is a few options. I think I call them like defaults. You know, one would be like a trial annuity, which is something that says we're going to start you off with an annuity that converts X percentage of your assets into an annuity and you're going to get it for two years. And at any time in those two years, you don't like it, you can tell us to stop and we'll give the rest of your money back. Um, so that's a trial annuity. Another one could be a bridge annuity. You're below the standard retirement age. See, I'm not using full or normal anymore. <laughs> I'm going to use standard. You're below age 67. And you're telling me you want to stop work. I would really love to see you be able to facilitate delayed claiming to 67 or even maybe age 70. We're going to set up a fixed term annuity for you that pays out your age 62 <laughs> benefit until you turn 67 or 70. Then that annuity shuts off. So you've only paid for you know, a fixed term annuity. And then you can claim social security at a higher monthly benefit that's inflation protected for the rest of your life. That's something you can have an implant sponsor. So I think this is where we start thinking about how we start with small baby steps on implant offerings and then work around those packages yeah. from there. And I, I mean, the only thing I would say is I, I think that's wonderful. I just think there's some technological hurdles from legacy systems that you know would need to be overcome so 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 how do you have a system which you know i've spent you know i was at government and portability for our audience means so if, if i change jobs so i go from the bipartisan policy center to georgetown to treasury to blackrock to nationwide to pacific life and i keep changing jobs every few years that whatever my retirement plan is it moves with me or the assets are convertible on dollars. So you think about the idea if you have 
Cisco stock or you have Amazon stock, it's priced daily. It's priced by the minute, actually, seconds. But if I go to move over a, a plan, I can either cash it out for value or someone can say, oh, we see you've got Amazon. We'll just swap it. Now we'll hold it for you. There's no change. If I've got something in which I've got a target day fund, not all target day funds are created the same. Bipartisan Policy Center uses target day funds that are done by Vanguard. Some might use Fidelity. They're not a one-to-one swap. So you need to have something which basically the plan sticks with the person, not necessarily the employer. How do we design those or the, the systems can talk easier so you can just convert very easily. And then when you leave, you're not being asked to cash out that the plan has moved with you automatically as a default. That's kind of the point yeah, of thing. And it's especially problematic with the, the annuities with living benefits, because if you have one that's in the money, you really can't cash out and get the same thing at the yes. new employer. And, and, that, and those are things we have to solve, but I think they're solvable problems. Yeah. And, and they're being talked about in a serious manner. Yes. You know, whereas like before it was not even a pipe dream of a pipe dream kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, just because we had a, we got to get uh, Jason home for his birthday bash. My wife's birthday bash. Uh, <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, your wife's yeah. birthday bash. What, what were your, your three takeaways from, from the alliance since you've seen it over the years? Uh, you, from the, the conference? I, I thought the conversation yeah. with the consumers about financial advisors was really interesting. There was a, a couple that wanted to work with an advisor, but really didn't know where to start and was really struggling with the idea of who they could trust. There was another lady who did work with an advisor and who became curious after thinking about it for a while, why that advisor had never mentioned the idea of an annuity when so much of the focus was preparing for retirement. And of course, in the financial services world, we can identify the reason for that, but the consumer doesn't necessarily understand the reason for that. And then there was a term that got repeated throughout the day, another individual who felt like she didn't have enough assets that she could work with a traditional financial advisor because of just limits on on what's needed. She was asking for the McDonaldization of the (laughs) financial advice world and, and how she could find someone to work with. So really different, interesting perspectives on that. I that was really probably my biggest takeaway along with just some of the other comments made. There was a one of the consumers parodied one of the commercials that we all also tend to make fun of as well in the financial services world. So that was fun to hear. And uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the, own pa- the panel that I was part of, it's good to have that conversation around the, the research we had done on the retirement income styles and and sharing that with the Mm -hmm. audience in attendance as well. And and I I heard themes of that in the consumer panel where some individuals were focused on certainty, and that sounds more like the uh, safety first preference. Uh, Twice I heard people say, I want something that I can set and forget or set it and forget it. And that's like a commitment orientation. And and so now with the way I operate, I view everything through the frame of the retirement income styles. And so a, a lot of the comments that were made at the conference as well, I thought, oh, yeah, that's she's or he or she are reflecting preferences that we've been looking at. No, I, I think that's right. And, and, and then Jason, I'll let you with the, the parting comments here, uh, especially with regards to the, the annuity thing. Uh, why didn't an advisor recommend an annuity to, to, to that person? She didn't have that as an option, this protected income. Uh, and, and this is something that's so near and dear to the Alliance for Lifetime Income, this sort of protected income availability why don't you just take us home with that? Uh, what, what are your thoughts around that and how you're moving the, the needle on that? Because I definitely think you and the team, and it, it, 
with, with Gene and Cyrus and, and I'm probably missing other people, but have done a phenomenal job. So I don't want to miss that, but you, you're, you're moving the needle. And so what, what are your thoughts on that comment from that person? And yeah, I, what I think work there's needs a to be lot done? of education. Again, not all advisors are the same, right? So we, we, we know that. So I don't want to do like a, yeah, a yeah, broad yeah. paintbrush, but the results vary the again. Results vary. <laughs> I, I think we have some problem with, again, there's a complexity with annuity and there's a perception with annuities. You know, when I started at Social Security 10 years ago, or more than 10 years ago, we talked about the 62, 65, 70 on the previous podcast this week. But what also got me to what was the the idea of the confusion around the claiming age. And that you had financial press, 70, maybe 95% of financial press and financial advisors were telling people to take benefits at 62 because they'd be ahead for 14 years. Again, never saying that if they lived past 14 years, behind for the rest of their life. When I started the alliance, you know, five years ago, a lot of the financial press was like, annuities are bad for you. They solve nothing. There's only one type of annuity and they're too expensive. Yeah. Like there are so many different types of annuities out there and different ways to design them, to customize them that I, I don't even know them all, right? This is one where you, it really there's a lot of customization. <laughs> Costs are coming down. You can find really good products that fit your needs. The idea is to talk about what problems you have, then talk about what solutions you have, and then you go to see what kind of products fit those solutions. And this is where I think there's a lot of advisors that are still stuck in the old school. Either they don't want to talk about annuities, they don't understand them, and so our job is to educate them. And there are some, I think, who are doing a And it's, it's, well. it's a fee issue, too. It's a fee issue. And I think, and I think You're being nice, of, but you know, it's a fee. That's the other part. Is some want to keep assets under management, not realizing that for people who have annuities, they spend up to their budget constraint. They could leave some assets under management, and those will grow larger, <laughs> and then you'll make more money. It, it, so there's a win-win and, here. <laughs> Frankly, it also provides a solution. It provides a solution for high net worth investors, but it provides a solution for those that are saying, oh, an advisor is not going to even look at my accounts. Yes. You know, so uh, there it is. Uh, Jason, we've kept you long enough. We thought this would be a 15-minute thing. Here we are at at the 30-minute mark. I'm definitely counting this as my my third podcast with you then. I've gotten enough time. Other than than this, uh, I'll say thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) Go go have a good time tonight, man. Thank you. And I encourage everyone to, to, you know, to – Google protectedincome.org, the Alliance for Lifetime Income, oh. the Retirement Income Institute. See what we're doing. Your research is up on our website as well. You know, check us out. See what we're doing. I think it's very valuable research. Oh, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Sorry, Jason. We're, we're still new at this podcast game where we don't say, hey, so how can someone find out more about you? We'll definitely put that stuff in the show notes for you. And I'll have a new right? paper at the Institute page at the end of May that we'll be able to talk yes. about in a future episode, too. But yes, thank you, Jason. Out shortly. Yeah, well, and you got a new study coming, the PRIP study or something like that. They, they were kind of floating that yeah. around. So, so all right, so you, you know you have a place there if you want to talk about it. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you both. All right. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. Take care. Thank you for the bonus. Bye. Bye. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and retirement researcher. Both are SEC registered investment advisors located in Tyson's, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results. 